0: I think that's what kept me with it. I think if it hadn't have had all of those things and the storytelling wasn't so brilliant, I don't think, I could have given it a red hot go, but I don't think I would have gotten through
1: 17 seasons. <laughs> Welcome to Talk The Line, I'm Jen Long. This season, we're talking to artists about their passions during lockdown. And on this episode, I'm joined by ARIA Award nominated, Out 100 listed singer and telefanatic, fanatic, Alex the Astronaut. Just a quick warning that this episode does contain some mild spoilers for the TV shows Grey's Anatomy, Feel Good, Atypical and the movie Happiest Season. Hey, lovely to have you on Talk The Line. Thank you for having me. I mean, yeah, you, you've been in Sydney for the whole of lockdown. Obviously, things in Australia at the time of recording right now are far better than they are here in the UK. Like you guys are in summer. You have much less stringent social distancing restrictions than we do. What's it been like for you being on the other side of the world and going through COVID?
0: Yeah, well, we've had quite a different experience, I think, to most other countries. And it's also been different within our country. So Melbourne has people from Melbourne have had a far different experience from people from Sydney. They had like, I think it was four months longer of lockdown than us. So I feel quite mentally recovered almost, which is strange. And I feel for everyone in England because it's just hectic. Two weeks ago, I played eight distance shows in six days. I've only done those shows this year. It was strange. It's been really strange I think the last couple months where in Sydney it's gone almost back to normal minus big events and like people still distance on public transport and like wear masks and stuff but our cases have been at zero for a little while now. Sorry to tell other people in England about that.
1: (laughs) Oh no, uh, oh, it sounds like a work of fiction.
0: I know! Well, it was not looking good for a while with Melbourne and then they did really intense lockdowns. so they kind of, they sacrificed themselves for us and it worked, so
1: thank you Melbourne. <laughs> you also released your debut album in the midst of all of this, The Theory of Absolutely Nothing, three months ago. How has that been going, like releasing a record in the middle of a pandemic?
0: I guess, like everyone, I just went with it and I, w- I was really happy f- with it. Like, I got nominated for the Australian Music Awards for Breakthrough Artist. I did not win, but that's okay. And that was like a really cool thing. And I was really excited about that. And people sent really nice messages about it. And then I did get to do the eight shows, which was really fun. And we had a really funny tour um, t shirt that was just like Sydney. It was like world tour, astronaut, and it was Sydney, 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 Sydney. That was a big achievement this year. That was really funny. It's obviously devastating for the music industry and for the world and everything. And I, yeah, I feel bad saying that it went okay for me, but it it did, it like didn't really affect a whole, the only thing I didn't get to do was play shows. Other than that, it kind of went along, I think, as it would have Mm. had it it not been a pandemic year.
1: Yeah the other side of not being on tour and not getting to play any live shows is that you have a lot of time at home to indulge in other activities. Yes. And so TV is something that you've been indulging in passionately during the lockdown period.
0: Yeah. Um, I've always been a big TV fan. My, I have a little sister. She's two years younger, and she's a bigger TV champion than me. She can finish, like, 10 seasons in, like, a week of a show. And I still have like a five season a week rate, but it's not as impressive as her. So I always have somewhere higher to go. I finished Grey's Anatomy during lockdown. Well, now I'm watching season 17. That was a big achievement as well. I feel quite, quite so that, proud of that.
1: Yeah. So did, Had you
0: started it before or did you get into yeah. Grey's I reckon I watched like five seasons
1: or something, maybe. So I still finished about 12. Jeez. So I feel like, because we spoke a little bit about Grey's Anatomy last time we spoke and I never watched it. But since knowing that we're going to have this conversation, (laughs) I've like checked out a few episodes and it is addictive TV. It's very, it's very Moorish. Yeah, yeah.
0: You can't stop and it gets more and more like that. And I think what I love about Grey's Anatomy is while it's, I guess from the outside, it seems like this soap, like it's got a lot of big events that most people know about, like this isn't a spoiler, well, well I don't know, spoiler alert, at some point there is a plane crash and there's a lot of wild like accidents that people go in and there's a bomb threat and there's this and that and everything and I guess people see that those ads and think oh it's not it's not a well put together show but what I find really cool about it is it touches on really big issues really intricately and I think the the writers of the show are very like clever and thoughtful in that they don't rush any of those parts they rush maybe the silly like plane crash thing but they explain things like trauma and they like it's a very diverse cast they touch on like trans issues gay people racism racism within the workplace racism within the medical field and like Not in a virtue signalling way, like in a really good way. And I think that's what kept me with it. I think if it hadn't have had all of those things and the storytelling wasn't so brilliant, I don't think, I could have given it a red hot go, but I don't think I would have gotten
1: through 17 seasons. Yeah, because it's it's part of Shondaland, right? Um, Shondaland, she's like a formidable force in television. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Perhaps that's why it's so good because it's come from someone who isn't just from like a straight white background. Straight white. Exactly. I yeah. really
0: think that that it has played a big part in it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because we have a TV show here called Casualty, and I just okay. when I started watching it, I was like, it's a bit like an Amer- it's like Casualty with a non-BBC budget. You know, it's like Casualty with money, basically. <laughs> like it's a sexy casualty and it kind of is (laughs) There's also just something deep about the scripts and about the way that it's like the whole thing is choreographed like it kind of transcends just like basic Saturday night telly just like you know sit down in something and switch off like it does make you actually emotionally and intellectually invest. Uh, Yeah it
0: really does and there's like a lot of blood so if you you have to really get used to that that was something like I think that's the game that I've played, is like going between it being like, so well written and emotionally engaging, and then like them soaring off someone's leg, which I am bad with blood, like I cannot do it. The reason I studied not biology and did not go into medicine was because I didn't like blood. I thought that's what I wanted to do with my life, but until I get to the point where I was looking at those things, I stopped. So, yeah, I guess that's kind of a testament to how well they've done the emotional engaging because they've kept me watching these horrible, gory scenes. And I guess I'm kind of used to it now. Like I have friends that are studying medicine who will talk about their surgeries and
1: stuff and I'll, I can cope. Um, so that's another thing that has been good about Grey's Anatomy. That's cool. Yeah, completely desensitized by Grey's Anatomy. Perfect. Yeah. What, how do you manage to watch like five seasons in one week? Like how do you, because I feel like I'll like watch one episode of something and then yeah. unless I'm like very tired or hungover, I find it difficult to sit in the same spot and like really invest. How do you manage to watch s- things so continuously? Uh, practice, training, persistence, snacks. Uh, mm-hmm. Talk me through your routine. Like how many episodes will you watch in a row? Here's the thing, like, mid-COVID, nothing-to-do
0: time, like, when days were just, like, repeating themselves. Well, I'm saying mid-COVID. That's an offensive term to you guys because you're very much still in it. I'm really sorry. Where?
1: For, for a moment, yeah. I'd forgotten. For one moment, I'd escaped. Oh. <laughs> you can just mentally move to Australia. Um, oh, I would love that so much.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, like, in the middle of our lockdown, it was also winter in Australia, like, about June, July, it was winter. So I couldn't, you go out and do your hour of exercise and then you come home and I would do like a, a couple hours of drums and then I'd still have like 12 hours left of the day. So that's, that's at least 13 episodes of Grey's Anatomy. Some seasons there's more and some seasons there's less. So I think I got like the start couple seasons there's like maybe eight episodes or something like that. So you could pump through them pretty quickly. It's when you get to the later seasons when there's like 25 episodes, but even those you can get through surprisingly quickly if you just sit on your bed. And then I have the app that's like, um, it turns into a mouse on your computer. So like I would sit on my bed and watch, change the episode with the mouse on my phone and not have to move at all.
1: (laughs) Oh man, that's so funny. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about how, like, I said the word escape, and it made me think how watching TV during lockdown has been a really great way to escape the realities that are going on outside of your bedroom.
0: Yeah, it really has. And it's, like, broken up the monotony of everything because, God, like, going
1: upstairs and downstairs, this gets pretty old. Well were you, like, actually, like, locked down in your house like you weren't allowed to leave?
0: I had, like, close contact with a COVID person at the start. I was locked down before the rest of Australia was locked down because it was a music person that had come back from England, and uh, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and he'd come into the my management's office and just was chatting to us about COVID. And then he had co- he's okay, but he'd had COVID. Um, so we all went into lockdown, and like I was like telling my family about it, and they were like, oh do you have to stay? Like, can you just go get some? I was like, no guys, like someone bring me food. I'm stuck. And so, yeah, I was fully stuck. And then by the time I got out, they locked down the whole of Sydney. So then I stayed in lockdown for about, I think it was like four months or something. Maybe longer. I think it was actually longer. Time didn't work at that point. Yeah.
1: So the other two shows that you sent me ahead of our chat were Atypical and Feel Good. Which one of those two did you get into during lockdown?
0: I watched Feel Good and that was my splitting up of Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> I do that with books as well. You can't see my um, bookshelf over there, but I have about 12 books. And how I do books is a I have like a genre, like I'll have like a nonfiction, an easy book, like a, a um, picture book kind of thing and like I'll scroll through them. So I do the same thing with TV shows. is like I'll get like Grey's Anatomy. Uh, at one point, I, I've been watching all three of them at the same time, but I think Feel Good was the first one that I balanced out Grey's Anatomy with. Yeah, I love Feel Good. I think that one I finished in maybe two days. It's such a well-written show and May mum did such a good job of making it brilliant. I think I've watched it like three times, maybe four times now. Wow.
1: Um, I mean, it, it is like six episodes, isn't it?
0: Yeah, that one's way more doable than Grey's.
1: Yeah, it's so funny. Like British TV series are always like six episodes long. And an American TV series are like twenty-one episodes long.
0: <laughs> You're like, why? <laughs>
1: yeah. it's much more manageable over here. It yeah. is
0: manageable. It's manageable to do a rewatch as well. Like I think I've
1: rewatched Feel Good in like one day before. Wow. Okay. What is it yeah. about it that you like so much? Like, do you feel like an affinity with the characters? Because I feel like her character, Mae Martin's character in it, it's like she's very extra.
0: Oh yeah, extra is a
1: good word. I think
0: yeah, I definitely related, I don't know, the, the storyline of like not quite knowing who to be with. And I think I definitely did that when I was a bit younger and like being with people that hadn't quite worked out their sexuality and, and going through that journey with them. is definitely a trend that every person who's not straight has been through um, with partners. I don't know what else I related to. I obviously have a bit of addictive personality. I can watch Grey's Anatomy. I can rewatch stuff. I uh, I get addicted to things like I don't have addictions to any kind of narcotics. So I really. It was an eye opener seeing that experience with a young person and how they uh, went through that system. And I don't know. That was that was eye opening. But the little traits, like the though when they talked about those things, I was like, oh yeah. And I actually text my friend. I remember watching it the first time. And I was like, do you think I have an addictive personality? And she was like, how many episodes have you watched of this show in one day? And I was like, fair enough. (laughs) So yeah, there's bits of it. There's lots of parts of it I relate to, but I think I really, I I relate to it. So I think that's why I can stick with it so many times. But also I think the comedy writing is brilliant in it. I think like the drama and the characters are really fleshed out. Like the relationship between the mom and Mae Martin's character I was going to say Phoebe from Friends, but that's Lisa her not Cidre. her Lisa Kudrow. Yeah. Lisa Kudrow. The fact that they would even, like, knowing that she'd never acted, Maymanda never acted before in a movie, uh, in a show, and then had never written a show and had never done any of that stuff, to know that she's constructed those characters. Because as a writer, I would think that you would start small or you would think about, you would concentrate on the main characters and you would concentrate on their world. But the fact that they've brought in two parent figures and it has changed Like that could be a story in itself, how they constructed that parent dynamic and then the resolution of that parent dynamic and the history without even showing any of the stuff or the history between the two characters. That's pretty impressive. The scene where the dad kind of resolves it for them and shows that we all have characteristics of our parents and sometimes they're the ones that we like the least in them. I found that really profound that they went there with the show and then they didn't, I don't know if I
1: should say anything. I think we'll just have to put a spoiler warning at the start. Let's just do it. you yeah. have not seen Let's it by have, now.
0: You should have seen it. Everyone go watch it
1: and pause this if you are going to do that.
0: Yeah, the fact that they don't resolve the relationship and they don't tie it up with a bow, which I've listened to a few podcasts about why they wrote it that way. And I think that May and may have said that That's just how things are, like that you actually don't really get that resolution in real life. You don't get to know if this is the right choice or not. You just have to go with it and then you find out. And I
1: thought that was really well written. It's very indulgent as well. And I guess there is a certain indulgence in seeing representation when you're like a gay woman. There's often like side characters or, you know, like you get representation when it feels tokenistic. But to have a show that's centered around that, it feels really warming. Oh, for
0: sure. I think I've watched shows where like I'm. someone's told me I've seen on the internet there's like a gay kiss in like season nine and I'll like watch all season. So yeah, having the whole thing centred around someone's stories, like that's like, oh, pretty cool. Kind of
1: conversely, have you watched Happiest Season yet? Yes, of course. What did you think of that? I've seen it twice. <laughs> um, of course you have. <laughs>
0: i really like it i think the representation is really important i think there's things about it it's it's quite they're quite rich people and they kind of represent that thing and it's quite white and those are things that i was like oh they could have thought about that a bit better but the storyline having that story which i've kind of experienced myself i know there was lots of people that were saying like why can't we just have a non-tragic story and i think I don't know. For me, I was like, I haven't had any story, so I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take, like, a movie that's got two main characters that are gay and then surrounding characters that are gay and, like, and an uh, understanding or a grappling within a family where they they don't kick the kid out. They come to a resolution where they realise that there's more important things than appearances and that they sh- they all... I don't know, should stick together and care for each other and appreciate each other even if it doesn't look like what they want it to look like. That's good. I thought that was a good message. Kristen Stewart's so cool. She's like my icon
1: so that's cool. Uh, (laughs) The premise is that Mackenzie Davis and Kristen Stewart they've been dating for like a few years and they live together and they're in love and then Mm -hmm. Kristen Stewart doesn't have any family so she goes home with Mackenzie Davis for the holidays and it turns out Mackenzie Davis isn't open to any of her family or her parents and pretends that Kristen Stewart is, like, her flatmate and then flirts with her ex-boyfriend in front of everyone. Yes. I did not think that a lot of it was quite horrible because I felt like a lot of it was quite horrible. And I just wanted the uh, ending. I felt like the right ending was that Kristen Stewart Aubrey. dumped Mackenzie Davis and hooked up with Aubrey Plaza.
0: I agree with you, and I <laughs> wish that would happen too. But, like, knowing, I don't know, thinking about it really, I don't think that would happen in real life. I just don't think it would like I think it could happen maybe a percentage of the time
1: But, but... so do you not think that her like Straight posh white rich politician father would really have a personality change in the space of like one week <laughs> and I'm... Like I accept you it just seems <laughs> slightly unrealistic in that sense so if you're gonna be unrealistic just just hook up with Aubrey Plaza. She's so much better.
0: <laughs> I agree. I agree with all your points. I have, no, <laughs> I have no arguments like for or against. I just was like, okay, this is what I've been given. This is my Christmas present.
1: I'm going to accept <laughs> it for what it is. And here we are. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair enough. I mean, it was, I, d- I mean, I was just there for Jane, that character. Just, she nailed it for me. She was my fav. <laughs> favorite. When- thing. She said, I don't have any secrets, but I am an ally. I was like
0: in tears. Oh, and they were so mean to her. And then they stopped being mean to her, which was good. But yeah. I watched it again for Jane. (laughs) I
1: did watch it again for Jane. (laughs) And Aubrey. (laughs) And Aubrey, yeah. (laughs) Um, but But having that kind of like fairy tale ending, I see what you mean with feel good, how it's nice that things aren't resolved in a, yeah. in a more, more, more akin to a way that they work out in real life.
0: Yeah, and I think like with a movie, it's pretty dickish to end on an unresolved note. Mm. It's kind of like, you know, in movies when they ended unresolved, you're like, oh, okay, there's gonna be a sequel. So I think the writers, you have to have some form of resolution, I think in movies more so than you would have in TV. Mm. Because I think in TV, it's beneficial to Mae Martin that they don't resolve it it's realistic and it's great and it's well written, but it also plays to them being able to have another season where they can like finish off those stories or
1: go into those stories again, wherever. Feel Good has been commissioned for a second and final season, I read. Oh, is it final?
0: Apparently so. Oh, that's depressing. Okay.
1: And then (laughs) Happiest Season was obviously written and directed by Claire Duval, who I apparently, I read, is now working on a Tegan and Sarah film. So you have that to look forward to.
0: Okay, I like that because Tegan and Sarah does do the soundtrack of Grey's
1: Anatomy as well. Oh, hey, the soundtrack for Grey's Anatomy is excellent, isn't it? It is excellent. That's another reason why I love it. <laughs> yeah, Yeah. no, I was watching it when I knew we were going to have this conversation and the first episode opened with like Rilo Kylie and then the second episode opened with Tegan and Sarah and I was like, yep. get into this show.
0: <laughs> and they bring it back. That's a really cool thing as well. They do variations of Tegan and Sarah songs and they like, incorporate them into the storyline and stuff it's pretty cool
1: okay nice and then the final <laughs> show that you sent through was atypical yeah so is that one that I, you were into before lockdown or that you got into during i think i've watched it
0: in the past month okay i think there's three seasons of that and i've finished them over the past month i have never seen someone who i don't know the right word phrasing someone who has autism or a person with autism yeah who is represented in a way that I, I guess centers them at the story with representation and centers them in a story in in a way that isn't kind of highlighting the differences between them and a neurotypical person but also highlights the challenges they experience but also how they relate and yeah i don't know i i i am getting tested for autism next year because I've always had symptoms, which is something that I guess I've started to think about. And because it is a developmental issue, I started thinking about my development. And I guess when they go through with Sam, Sam's character growing up, he has to deal with the prejudices of so many people, as well as the difficulties that he has because he has autism. And I think that it shows those really well. I think there's a scene that I really that broke my heart when Sam went up to a boy and he pretended to be welcoming and talked to Sam and then they made fun of him and you can see how devastated he is and he can't understand and and I think the voice that goes over in his head is what people don't understand is sometimes I don't know what the joke is but I always know when someone's making fun of me and you see his character I don't know the correct phrasing but get really distressed and have to be picked up by his parents and yeah what those parents go through what the sister goes through I think they really dig into those relationships really well they dig into like the history of the parents and how they relate to each other they go straight into like sexual relationships with someone with autism, which is like, I've never seen that on screen that someone that I think Sam gets in the car and says to his mom, mom, I would like to have sex with a woman one day. And
1: the mom just goes, oh my God. And
0: like, that was really like, they did it really in a really funny way, but in a really like, I don't know, it represented things well. And yeah, I I don't know if I have autism, but that's been something over lockdown that we've been looking at. And the testing in Australia is i just realized so much of the challenges there are for people with autism, whether I have it or not. The test is in Australia, $2,000. The wait list is six months. Girls are generally not diagnosed until much later in life. I didn't realize that. Lots of the symptoms are a lot different between boys and girls and a lot of the criteria with the DSM is actually just from studies with boys. So lots of the parts of it are not applicable to lots of girls that have autism. And so that's why people get really missed. And yeah, I don't know. That I learned a lot from that show that I didn't I didn't realize what I just kinda of pressed press play on a random show on Netflix and then I <laughs> and now going off to the doctors in February to get tested. I I see how ableist our society is now and I'm I'm noticing it more and more and the language that we use, how important it is to really Understand the experiences of other people who have disabilities and yeah, it's a great show It's really just funny and heartwarming and I don't know great
1: Yeah, when you press play on it, but someone recommended it to you or did you read the description? And that felt like it was something that was resonating with you or was it completely random and you already had this Was this process already ongoing that you were talking to your parents about shall we sign up for this test? Should we join the waiting list and then you just happened to press play I, I don't know, maybe subconsciously all of those things. I think I've, I
0: started watching it and I, I think I watched the Hannah Gadsby special early in lockdown as well, which she touches on it as well. And at that point I did the text to a friend. I think it was the same friend. And I was like, do you think I'm maybe have autism? And my friend, she's studying nursing. So she gets all my medical questions.
1: I think people would always ask me if I've seen it. And they probably asked me cause they saw something um that's so funny what you were saying about how so much of the testing has been developed on men whereas Mm -hmm. it's the same with everything isn't it it's the same with like seat belts it's why women get more injured in car accidents because all the crash test dummies are are built on like male bodies i didn't know that the same reason that our phones are too big for our small hands ah yeah well there's lots of interesting things
0: about it it's like Camouflaging is much more intense with girls and it takes until usually about 14 for people to socially have trouble. Mm. And so everyone thinks at that point, at
1: 14, it's just silly girl drama. The TV show, yeah. it's apparently like, uh, it was, had no autistic actors and no autistic writers during the start and received a little criticism for the first series. But then it's developed uh-huh. throughout the last couple to include more autistic characters and, or, or actors, I suppose, and more writers as well. So apparently it's become more realistic as it's progressed. Did you notice right. that as you were watching it at all?
0: Yeah, I did notice that they, it was more genuine. And when Sam had interactions with other kids with autism, you could see, because one thing that my psychologist said to me is that one person's autism is one person's autism. If you've met one autistic person, you've met one autistic person. All the things are different. There's some obviously similar traits and stuff, but I think they show the diversity within that community really well when they do bring characters in that are autistic as well and how they communicate with each other and how they share experiences and challenges and stuff like that. That makes it more relatable because when Sam's inter- interacting with neurotypical people, I guess the fulcrum of the dynamic is you have a neurotypical person then you have an autistic person how does the autistic person relate to the neurotypical person and so that becomes more the centerpiece which i guess is it's a valid story to try and portray but i guess it's yeah with all things you need representation in all those areas and it's much a better show when they do
1: yeah, and you're you're right about how it delves into the relationships with the rest of the family, and it feels very non-judgmental. Like there's there's kind of no blame cast. It's it's mm. not like this is the effect that this person is having. It's very much like these are these people kind of working out life together.
0: Yeah, I like that as well. They uh, they highlight the issues of the others in the family, mm-hmm. like all the issues with um the mom and and it shows that just it's not about poor Sam. It's Sam is is very functional and has done remarkably well and achieved a lot in his life and is often shown in the show to be more capable than the neurotypical people around him in navigating really complex situations. So I think they do well to, to note that from the start and knowing that they didn't have any autistic people on staff. I don't know how they would have done that. That's well, know, strange... I read
1: that on Wikipedia, so... <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, thank you so much for talking to me. Anytime.
0: And if you need a TV recommendation, just ask.
1: (laughs) Alex's debut album, The Theory of Absolutely Nothing, is out now. Original music by Bright Light, Bright Light. Produced by Paul Bridgewater. Thanks for listening. See you next time.